Hello, my name is Joshua Gilliland. I'm the attorney blogger on Bowtie Law and with Jessica Meterson on The Legal Geeks. With me today is Carolyn Young, who's an e-discovery consultant with Advanced Discovery in Chicago. Carolyn is here today to help us understand issues with analytics and being able to demonstrate a production gap in an opposing party's production. Carolyn, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Josh. So for those who are not familiar with the issue of whether or not a production is adequate, frequently you'll see a party take this point of view of, I think there should be more here. There should be more emails. There should be more text messages. They file a motion to compel and they say, Your Honor, we should have more. And the court says, you saying there should be more is not enough. The rule for demonstrating a production is inadequate is that the party seeking to compel discovery has the burden of proving that a discovery response is inadequate. And that gets into production gaps and a variety of other ways to demonstrate a production is inadequate. Which brings us to the issue of document review, because you have to be able to review your e-discovery in order to recognize whether or not everything you need is actually there. So Carolyn, could you share some of your best practices on what you recommend to attorneys and paralegals for setting up document review in a hosted review application? Sure. You know, setting up doc reviews for host review is pretty important that front, you're working with the technology, the people, and then applying the right process. From a technology perspective, you have to be working with folks that understand the technology in the hosted review world that you're going to use in order to do the review. And everything needs to work together so that a case team can use the technology and use the institutional knowledge of the case and address all of that up front so that the best workflow can be written and executed. Also up front, you need to consider the technology in the process and the, and the people working on the case have to have that flexibility and that scale, scalability to allow for a shift in direction. So that all is in line with as well as your typical understanding up front what the elements of the case are, what are you trying to approve. I think it's really important to set up a case to where you have early case assessment and review all together. So using the technology all in one hosted case workspace so that when the scope changes, you can easily address and shift with the change and not take up too much time uh, figuring out how to address that with the technology from that approach. And um, in the beginning, I always recommend that we always approach a case with an investigative hat. So using ECA tools to help determine the scope of the data and using those tools to help um, to help make agreements during the meet and confer and to work with opposing counsel, doing all of this up front when you set up an online doc review is, is very important because it helps you consider things that you might not have thought of uh, initially, if sometimes attorneys will think, well, I know all the facts of the case, I know what I'm looking for, just taking a, a day or two to take a step back and put on that, uh, that investigative hat is really important. So there's always room to apply analytics later in a case, but if you understand the workflow, what's being coded for, the issues, uh, what, what's being tried for the case, 
it's a nice guide to allow you to be able to use the technology efficiently up front. And uh, even as an example for assisted review, um, applying and training the technology on already coded documents uh, can, can occur later on in the case if you don't use analytics right away. But up front, you need to understand the why and the how those documents were coded and how, um, how, was the, uh, how was the process of engaging in the technology and being able to look at documents used up front in order to ensure that the technology is going to work midstream. So it's easier to set up a case right from the start than, you know, go back and, and have to re-review documents or uh, add new data in or, or have to make a shift from a technology perspective. When I set up a case, I recommend to attorneys, think about the causes of action. Because if you're a plaintiff and you have a breach of contract case or a fraud case, or whatever the situation is, I like looking at the jury instructions and creating those into mm -hmm. issue tags. So therefore you could have breach of contract and you have all the elements for breach of contract. So as you are conducting document review and you're looking at an email or communication patterns, you can go, this meets three of the elements. This is more useful than the one that just met one. And being able to really get the full value out of the review application as opposed to simply checking relevant when you have seven causes of action, which cause of action is it relevant to? So that's something I encourage folks. Do you see a lot of people thinking that way? I do see some people thinking that way, but probably not enough people thinking that way. I think everybody is always in a rush. I have to get this done yesterday, that they don't really take a step back and think about all of the components of using the technology and to their benefit in order to to find the information in their data set. They, you know, typically people will think they know what they're looking for and they want to do the traditional linear searching. But uh, I absolutely agree, Josh. And, you know, if you, if you look at the technology and you're able to use um, analytics, for example, to group documents together and be able to get to the particulars of the case uh, in a more organized fashion, uh, and also taking that investigative approach, uh, people will find that they're having better results in working with the data. Well, let's talk about what exactly are analytics, because there are different flavors of analytical tools out there, whether you're in Relativity or Xera, or there's a whole bunch to choose from. But many do have things such as visual analytics, uh, email threading, there's a bunch of things. So could you help our listeners understand what are analytics and how can they help? I look at analytics from in two buckets. So there's the structural analytics, the analytics such as email threading and textual near duplicates that allow you to group documents together in an organized fashion, uh, helps you to avoid reviewing redundant emails, for example, or redundant documents that might be to the human eye, uh, seem to be exact duplicate documents, but for whatever reason, they're not exact. Uh, and then there's the other bucket of conceptual analytics. So the, the clustering, the categorization, the similar documents, uh, being able to do assisted review, uh, technology assisted review, 
um, those those features are more conceptual based and while they are used to organize data uh, in a way that allows you to quickly go through similar conceptually uh, conceptual documents um, you know they're also a good way to uh, use your again your investigative hat and find you know find data or find topics of conversation that you might not have thought to look for or weren't aware uh, was ha happening within the data set. Okay. Do you want me to go into the specifics or? Yeah, let's hope. Frequently when we talk about analytics and the different tools out there, they're used as magic mm -hmm. buzzwords and people don't understand, you know, you can't say shenanigans or communique and somehow that makes it legal and all better. They, they need to understand what it is. So if you could help us understand what exactly visual analytics are or any of the other tools that can be brought to bear in a case, that'd be very helpful for folks. Sure. So conceptual analytics is being able to group uh, docu documents that have similar conceptual meaning. So, uh, for example, if I was talking about a German Shepherd in an email and another email was talking about a black and tan dog, from a traditional linear perspective, if I were to search on a keyword, I may not get both documents back. But if I'm conceptually searching through the documents, those two documents are both talking about the same thing so that they would be grouped together. So uh, you can use conceptual searching on the fly. For example, if you're in a document and you find a paragraph of really hot responsive information and you want to go out and see if there are any other documents that are referring or discussing that same concept, you can highlight that data, uh, that text within the record. You can go out and find similarly conceptual documents in your data set and go from there. Uh, clustering is a nice proactive way to use analytic uh, technology from a conceptual perspective because a lot of online uh, technology will allow you to proactively go out and group documents together based on, their con based on conceptually what's being discussed. So, this is not, this is more of an investigative piece where you don't necessarily need to know what you're looking for, but the technology goes out, clusters the documents based on what they're saying, and you may find different topics. For example, travel arrangements might be a cluster. That's something you can eliminate quickly if that's not uh, relevant to your case. Another cluster could be talking about, um, you know, uh, stealing client information. Another cluster could be talking about the company picnic and so forth. So it's grouping those documents together, being investigative, seeing what is within the data set, and, and diving deeper into those specific clusters that are of, of particular importance. It's also used from a data organization perspective. Categorization is a nice way to go through large data sets when you're issue coding. And how that works is you issue code a set of documents within your data set, and then you let the technology go out, 
learn what your issue coding based on the concepts and code the rest of your, your data population is another example. Um, so that, you know, from a conceptual analytics perspective, you know, there's a lot you can do proactively with just having uh, groups of data available within the technology, within the review tool you're looking at, but you can also be uh, proactive from a user standpoint and go in and uh, look for text or copy text, you know, from somewhere else, paste it into the tool and go out and find documents that are particularly important to you based on their topic. Excellent. That is extremely helpful. So with all of that in mind, if a client came to you and said, I think we're missing email messages that we should have more loose files as well, how would you recommend determining if there's a production gap or not from an opposing party? Sure. It's very, um, it's very difficult. Uh, it, it's very challenging to be able to defend uh, missing data from a, an opposing party. So you have to be very careful how you go down that path. Uh, from an email perspective, it's particularly important that people understand it's not just applying analytics to to your methodology, but it's it's also going to take a bit of manual uh, looking and a you know a bit of working with the technology. But uh, definitely, I would not recommend not applying a human set of eyes. Um, so. So missing emails, because of that, missing emails can be due to how the data was co collected. It could be due to deduplication, or uh, it could be due to just discrepancies in the ex extracted text. Um, so when you're looking at email threading uh, in certain technologies that are available for online hosted review, you can see if the root email is missing, meaning the beginning email of the chain, and you can also see if there are missing emails from, you know, email one through email 100, however long the thread is. Uh, but again, caution needs to be taken before making those statements to an opposing party uh, because you, you want to be careful about saying if the data was purposely missed. Uh, another reason is, um, you know, I had a client who wanted me to to write an affidavit about uh, email, emails that were apparently missing uh, that they felt were important. Um, but again, you know, it was very tough to prove without understanding or knowing upfront the scope of the investigation. What do the two parties agree to? Their emails might not have been responsive to a search term list and therefore were not collected and, and are now missing from the thread. So again, you can, it's a good email threading is a good way to determine a third party production inadequacy. But again, I want to caution people, um, you know, that they have to really take a, a you know, manual analysis is, is definitely required before going down that path. Um, a couple other ways that I've advised clients on uh, using analytics to determine third party production inadequacies is uh, the use of categorization. So you can categorize the production that you received, you put it into your hosted review tool, categorize that, and if there are any perceived hot issues or topics or important topics that seem 
missing or low. So in other words, there's no cluster relating to that hot topic or one of the issues of the case. That could be an indication that some data is missing. Um, so also um, using category, you, you can use that with clustering and with categorization. So clustering is just grouping the important topics together and seeing if those are missing. Categorization uh, is issue coding. So you can take the, the document population received by the third party and run it against issue codes that you've already categorized in your own document set. And again, to see if there are any issues that are missing or topics that are missing. The, uh, there are visual, um, visual ways to look for inadequacies. Probably the most popular one is, is a timeline summary, which you don't necessarily need analytics to do. Some hosting tools will provide timeline summaries um, that, you, that produce reports based on custodian and dates, for example, that can be analyzed, used to determine gaps in the third-party provided emails. That is extremely helpful and at the end you'd be able to generate a report of some kind so the attorneys could take that to the judge. Would that look like an Excel spreadsheet or is there some other output that someone should expect to see? So uh, that could look like an, an Excel spreadsheet uh, but also there are some tools that have nice visuals um, that actually help people analyze and see the deficiencies in the in the data. So bar graphs, uh, for example, is is one visual that can be taken taken to show and demonstrate the inadequacy. That's wonderful because a judge needs to be able to go like, oh yeah, there's something wrong here. Granted, prior to getting to the judge, the attorney then needs to recognize, hey, this isn't right they should confer about it with the opposing side, but if they have to go to blows, it's good to actually present evidence to the court so the court can actually state, this is not acceptable, there's a gap here. So with that... Absolutely, so... Go on. I was, I was just going to say, so with, with having that visual, but also an Excel spreadsheet, you know, I recommend both people have different uh, ways of un understanding data and understanding what um, what someone might be trying to prove and so it's always good to have have it in a spreadsheet but a, a visual is also very nice it's how we understand and lawyers are very good in theory at communicating convincing a jury to remember something and being able to demonstrate to a judge your honor Here's the issue that we have lots of emails in September, we have lots in November, but we have zero in October. We have a gap. So anything that helps show that, or if it's a weird three-hour gap in the middle of one day where magically nothing happened, that could be concerning. Absolutely. So, so Carolyn, you've been extremely helpful in helping us understand analytics and what analytics are and how to use them to demonstrate a production gap and more importantly what 
how this actually works because frequently we'll just see marketing material that says analytics or predictive coding or technology assisted review. Uh, you've been extremely helpful in breaking those issues down so we can understand what they actually are and that is uh, really appreciated. So, My pleasure. Thank you. So with that, enjoy the great city of Chicago. And if you want to learn more about Advanced Discovery, check out advanceddiscovery.com. And if you enjoy my blog or you haven't read it before, check out bowtielaw.com. Thank you all and have a wonderful day.